Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're in that traveling time of year, and it's not uncommon for, obviously, spaces in the church to be vacant more often than not just because of the nature of getting outside. Um, but here's a question for you. Are you a person who likes to get to your destination or someone who enjoys the journey? My wife and I go back and forth on this. Of course, you know the famous popular quote, life's a journey, not a destination. I heard in the news this morning with some people talking about sports and winning a trophy, and they said, well, it's about the journey of all your friends and people you meet as you do your sports, not the trophy. Okay. The performer, Tom Cochran, turned uh, that kind of a saying into a rock song. You might have know it from the early 90s. Life's a highway. I want to ride it all night long. There is certainly something to say about a journey, but there's always a destination. Or at least there should be. If there was no destination, then the journey would lose its value over time or end up feeling like how that you get when you never are waiting to finally get out of that car when you're driving across the country. You see, the present course for many is a journey unhinged from that destiny God put forward for the sake of humanity in the gospel. And so without that, there is a love for life that people have, but it only sees the need that really is like this kind of idea to just keep going. That's about it. As we're now in the time of the church, we call it, it includes an emphasis at this time on God's kingdom of grace. We ask for this in the Lord's Prayer, right? It's about growth for those who already have the gospel. But it also is how this kingdom of grace may come to others who are not yet in it. As blessed it is when God grants the gospel to be properly preached, because if it's not properly given, you get lots of distortions and sometimes not even the gospel to be shared in its truth and purity. But here's the hard problem. Even when all that is done, how do we react when the response is not faith, joy, and life, but rejection? This is part of the journey that Christ Church has, too, in this world. Now, you hear in our readings today, the Old Testament and the Gospel share two different responses over rejection. One has, frankly, fear over life and limb with the prophet Elijah. The other has more drastic measures being called on by two disciples. Neither of them was an answer to what God saw was good. So with God's face turned toward us in his son, even rejection of the gospel will not distract us from the love of journey. Love for this journey would be empty. 
if there was no zeal for Jesus and his mission. When the Lord started to travel to Jerusalem, his goal of sending messengers ahead of him, because this was the last year of his ministry, but when they came back, it was not a positive response. And it seems right from the beginning it was already going to end. The first village of the Samaritans had no desire to welcome Jesus. Of course, the bad news somehow got to James and John, and well, they're not going to have none of that kind of talk. They loved Jesus. And they loved his mission, which was the promised Messiah, as God had given. And they had a great zeal for what that meant. And so they came right out with, without hesitation. I mean, they're the sons of thunder, right? And they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? I mean, this is the Sodom and Gomorrah kind of stuff. It's kind of like saying, they have it coming. Just give us the word, Jesus. We'll pray in your name. We're going to pray, and we know God will answer, and he'll just take care of it. You have to admire first these two brothers, the sons of thunder, they had a zeal that today among many Christians is lacking when it comes for the witness of the gospel to go out. Their answer of rejection was not totally out of line when you consider a little bit of the Old Testament. For instance, in the Old Testament, we've got a bad king of Israel who sent messengers to Elijah, the prophet. This is later than the scene you hear today. This is when Elijah finally kind of gains his confidence back in the word of God. Okay? But here's what happens. When those messengers come from the king, they were soldiers. He said, if I'm a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your fifty. And guess what? They got their answer. Even Jesus, you know, he gave his woes to unrepentant cities that would not receive him. And the kind of judgment, it would be worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. Part of love is zeal. And without it, love goes flat. But for James and John and us, zeal must grasp God's love and his deep desire. It's not just our zeal to serve God, but it has to first know God's zeal and what he gives. The face of Christ had love for the journey that was set upon Jerusalem. That's the key today in our text. Where the disciples wanted to school these foolish Samaritans, these half-Jews, I mean, look at them. To school them in rejecting the call of preparing for Jesus. And of course, you know what the call is. Repent and believe the gospel. That's what preparation is. You have to wonder, though, if what he said was like, when, he, when it was like the rebuke he gave Peter, right? He turned to them and he's, he just rebuked him, it tells us. We don't know what he said. And they went on to another village. But we know what he said to Peter. Get behind me, 
Satan. You do not know what you're talking about. You have mind of things of men and not the things of God. We don't know. But his quick reaction was definitely there. We do know Jesus was not dismissing, for instance, the exercise of the law of God that he gave for life to be used rightly by parents and others' authorities. But his reaction over fires of judgment was to expose their love and zeal not for salvation, but to put these Samaritans in their place, show them who's boss. If the disciples thought rejection by a Samaritan village was going to be a big deal, that first experience, where were they going? To Jerusalem again, right? Wait till they got there. They'd see rejection with Jesus before the cross. In his rejection, great loss, though, would be gained from Christ. A perfect love and zeal shown by his pouring out of that compassion to sinners that God alone could give and win with salvation freely for a sinful world. And so all the disrespect and rejection today over the gospel is all there. The church, pastors, the word, God himself, even the law. All that can be very frustrating. But it also can turn in us into hatred. Has love for Christ turned into a zeal that looks away from the long-suffering character of our God who alone renders judgment and grace, ultimately? This is not about laziness to ignore the truth or to be silent over God's word. So you can't be nice. You will speak the truth in love. But it must be spoken. Because when it's not, <laughs> how can there be any comfort in the gospel because there's nobody to hear it if it's not spoken? Rejection is to keep in mind how Jesus made love for one's enemies. The high calling of his disciples with the destination of his cross as defining the journey. In other words, it's a mission of grace to face rejection tied to the sacrificial love of Jesus. This reveals how the fires of God's judgment have fallen on him. So we want to pray for the, the, the way of the world to change. That's great. But let's not forget that the judgment all falls on Jesus so that sinners are justified. Every one of us, by a better grace. And God help us, not in our ways. Jesus says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So, in other words, with the Supreme Court's ruling, amen to life. People's hearts. I don't see the pews of churches full. They were never going to be filled because the Supreme Court ruled in favor of a bad law made 50 years ago. we got a problem with what life is, let alone eternal life. God help us. And he does. 
He's turned his face toward us in Christ and calls us in the midst of all this stuff to love this journey. Something far greater than the whisper of God's almighty word to Elijah comes. And that enough was for that prophet to cover himself with his cloak when he heard that whisper of God on Mount Sinai. Without the face of Jesus, and if his face was not turned toward his cross, we too would be terrified by God's wrath. However, to our village, this church, Zion, Jesus comes with his gracious word declaring again, your sins are forgiven. Even for not loving your enemies the way I love you continually. He calls us away from the sight and sounds of rejection. We're going to keep hearing it. Maybe even more now. But it doesn't matter. He calls us to re- calls us away from the rejections to return us to that promise God made in baptism for you that makes the journey meaningful. He's joined himself. Christ present, put in that water his very life and death himself so that we're buried in Jesus, crucified with him, that flesh, that passions and desires. So that guess what? It belongs to You belong to his kingdom. And that's a special thing here in this time and place where God's spirit is at work by his word. No other kingdom can do this. But here in time, God does it. And that destination is eternal life. That's good news. That's better than whatever the courts might rule. However, this stuff washes out in our lives. Christ present in the Lord's Supper even renews our life and zeal by his sacrificial giving of himself. To at what end? To preserve us and strengthen us on the journey. And you're not in control of it, and neither am I. But Jesus keeps giving himself to eat and to drink for you. Lutherans talk about the alien work of God as his judgment. And the proper work of God is to save sinners. Alien meaning the foreign thing. As if God really enjoys to do this kind of stuff. Do you think he does? I do not think so. That is not why he made man, nor why he saves man. But that's his alien work that goes, does give it a strong answer. But his proper work? To justify, redeem. Let us walk with him in the journey of life everlasting. There's a last day, though, isn't there, when the time of grace will end. Kind of like the Ark of Noah being shut. Who shut it? God. And that was it. James and John, though, those guys, those that zeal, they were a bit, they were a bit of a rush. Kind of a heaviness towards having to find a way to love sinners. Jesus would show them. You understand who James and John are here, right? James would be the first martyr of the apostles. John, his brother, you know him. He wrote the gospel, according to John. He wrote Revelation. The only apostle left 
they got their thunder. But it echoed with the glory of the cross. Can we handle this long-suffering God, fit not to our ways of fiery vengeance? His cross calls for an unheard-of love before life. Victory belongs to Christ alone. And so the psalmist said today, Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. We're going to lose the glory if people do not go to church. We're going to lose the glory because going to church isn't about what we're giving to God, but what he can give to us of his life, forgiveness, and hope. We don't need the courts. We need Christ crucified to keep the glory of his church in this land. The glory is not going to be coercion or force. But as St. Paul says in Romans, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. I need a little bit of help on that. But I have Christ who forgives me and you. Persecution is more than rejection. You know that, right? But if denial is hard enough today, and I hear it amongst the whole church and amongst pastors, if that's hard enough, can we see the face of Jesus and love the journey that he has laid out to go with him? Before addressing conditions by others, that's what you heard the rest of the text today, right? About people wanting to follow Jesus and they lay down their conditions. Before any of that, Jesus had to deal with James and John, the sons of thunder. They did not understand the destination, so the journey had the wrong zeal. The risen Jesus has proven by his cross zeal that's fit for the journey of his church. It's been that way since he sent it out. And what did he say? You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, the greatest place of rejection. Area, what we heard about today, and to the ends of the, of the earth. How reaching is this grace of her, even if the truth has no reception? Let God deal with action. The face of God toward us is, is Jesus. That's love enough for the journey, isn't it? Not to distract us given by the gospel. And that is your life and salvation and peace. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion with the Holy Spirit be with you always. Amen.